Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing. And I'm sending all of my prayers your way, wishing you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love all the best. We have an absolutely amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Steven Eisen on, and we're talking about purpose-driven entrepreneurship. Uh, Steven is a very successful entrepreneur, and we dive a lot into entrepreneurship here. We talk about... Um, how entrepreneurship is finding a need or problem to solve and helping others, how we can integrate social issues and success, how we can prioritize our tasks to make a huge impact. So this goes into productivity. We talk about having a stoic mindset for business and how we can basically integrate our business with making the world a better place. This is a fantastic episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide. Consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com where you can get exclusive access to uh, training, to content from past guests, to meditations, to a couple courses in there, to a couple webinars. There's a lot of great exclusive content over there and you can do so for free or by donation. And the best way to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. And if you want to take a moment to leave a review, those are helpful too. So thank you guys so much for listening and being here. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, enthusiasm, faith, courage, inspiration, and get ready to enjoy this incredible episode with Steven Eisen. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. When today's guest was 19 years old, his beloved grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, an event that brought him to his personal low in life. It was during this time that he turned his pain into his purpose and launched Loki, the iconic bracelet that holds water from Mount Everest and mud from the Dead Sea to inspire wearers to stay humble and hopeful through life's inevitable highs and lows. Lokai has sold over 10 million bracelets globally and has donated over 9 million to charity as part of its 10% of profits to charity pledge. He currently serves as the youngest member on the national board of the Make-A-Wish Foundation and was named to the Forbes 30 Under 30. Welcome to the show, Stephen Eisen. Matt, thank you so much for having me. Man, I'm I'm excited to do this show. Welcome. Um, I didn't ask you at the beginning. Am I pronouncing it right? That's how I say it in my brain. Is that how you pronounce it too? Yeah, Loka, you said it right. Okay, good. <laughs> cool, <laughs> man. Well, I'm I'm stoked to have you on the show. You have an interesting background. You've done a lot of good already. You got named a 30 under 30, which is very impressive. So you're doing a lot of great charity work and um your mission and your purpose is really beautiful. So why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience and just tell them a little bit about your story? Yeah, thanks, Matt. So um, like you said, when I was 19, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which brought me to a personal low in life. And, you know, that got me thinking about how everyone has highs and lows. It doesn't matter your age, demographic, income level. We all have them. Um, and so I said, okay, well, what are the highs and lowest points on earth? Mount Everest and the Dead Sea. And uh, what if I took elements from those two places and incorporated them into a product that people could wear every day as a reminder to find balance in life? I told the idea to my father uh, and he said, that's a great idea, but everyone has great ideas. Now go execute it. That's the hard part. And so, um, yeah, I worked on it for three years while I was in college and then launched Lokai June uh, 4th, 2013. So yesterday was actually our 10th birthday. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, man. Well, that's that's incredible. You know, you've experienced a lot of success with this company, and you're, I would say, a very successful successful entrepreneur. And I know you know a lot about that. Um, how did you go about like combining the purpose piece with the business piece? I think that's where people really struggle when they want to get into entrepreneurship. They want to do something with meaning, which I think you've done, and it's really amazing. And then entrepreneurship is can be a battle right? It's like, you know, you want to be successful, you want to be able to pay the bills. And so um, what did you learn in your process? And what do you recommend to people who are trying to navigate those two worlds? <clears throat> That's an amazing question. You know, I think um, as a 19 year old, right, this idea was 
all purpose. And we hear the word word purpose thrown out all over the place these days. Um, But for me, it was truly like the heartbreaking news and experience of my grandfather that drove me to build this company. And I would have ran through brick walls uh, back in the day um, to be successful because all I cared about was that story, him, and why I was doing it. Um, And so I think when when you talk about being an entrepreneur and the market and the number side of things and purpose, they go hand in hand. Like I definitely got lucky, right? I created a product in an industry, the jewelry category that was big enough to build a sizable brand and company, uh, right? You can't have a ton of purpose, but then come up with an idea for a product that is so niche that even if you sold to every customer, it still only have a thousand customers, you know? Um, and so as I've gotten more experienced, I've learned that you really need to build companies that have a total addressable market. So market size that is large enough to build within. Um, but then it needs to be driven by a purpose, why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and I've just found and, and watched entrepreneurs over the years. If you don't have that purpose, it's too easy to quit. You know, uh, Being an entrepreneur is definitely not the easiest way to make money. And it is definitely a crazy roller, roller coaster no matter how successful uh, your company ends up being. And um, I think if, if you don't have a purpose and a why, you'll, you'll end up quitting before you reach that success. Yeah, I think that's really great feedback. And you nailed it right away when you said, I would have ran through brick walls to make this successful. And I feel like that's what's necessary because if you don't have the purpose piece, your why lined up, then whatever roadblock you hit is going to be enough to throw you off. But if there's nothing that will deter you, if it's so aligned with who you are and what matters to you, then it's just another obstacle that you're going to overcome. And so when we put money first, it can be pretty tough to endure those challenges, right? You're like, I'm going to do this business because I think it's going to make me money. And then you hit a few roadblocks and you don't get that. And then you're like, well, now I'm going to quit because it's not making me money. And so, it, you know, within your, in your business too, you've really um, integrated giving. And when you consult or you talk to entrepreneurs, do you really encourage that as a part of their business? Yeah, I um I watched my mom. My mom uh, always gave, gave back to others, gave back to the com- community, gave back to me and my sister. And so for me, giving back has always been such an important part of who I am and the businesses that I wanted to start. Um, and so from day one, giving back was a seed that grew with the company. You know, um, for for other entrepreneurs, I ask them why are they giving is it because that you think that the marketing message of giving back is going to sell more of your product and make you more money or are you giving back because it's truly aligned with the company and your mission and why you do what you do consumers are too savvy especially today to try to put a charity message on your product or company because you think it will make you more successful uh, that doesn't work. Uh, and so it has to be deeply ingrained in, in why you do what you do, uh, to make it worth doing. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, you can, you can see it from a mile away when they're trying to like hit all the, all the different things. And I think there's a company called 10 trees where they plant 10 trees for every shirt or something sold. And I'm pretty sure they've done incredibly well because that was a part of what they wanted to do with their business and their mission beyond, the the scope of you know the business side and i feel like that's what entrepreneurship is it's finding a need or a problem that you want to solve so essentially you're trying to help other people and if you're trying to do that and you integrate the giving and the meaning piece then you can really be working in a synergistic fashion that will show like hey this isn't just what the company's about you know when i was doing some consulting for businesses, I would say, you know, what about the educational piece a lot of the time about what they're doing? Like if you're, you know, 
selling a workout piece of equipment, that's great. But how are you inspiring people to get fit, to, you know, eat healthy, to change their lifestyle, not just, you know, have the liposuction solution. It's like, you know, you need to add some other elements and that will make your business grow because you're being congruent with what the message is, right? It's not just a one size fix all. And in your life, you're doing a lot of stuff. You're, you know, you talk about balance, but you're an athlete, father, CEO, founder. I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff going on. And so for you, how do you find balance in the entrepreneurship life? Yeah. Um, I really use my calendar religiously. Um, I block off time to be with my kids. Uh, I block off date night. I block off my workouts. For me, working out um, helps me personally find balance. I know when I work out, uh, I can be the best leader, the best father, the best husband. And so uh, everything's on my calendar, you know? So when I'm doing those things, I'm as present as I can be because I know no one else uh, is supposed to be calling me or talking to me at that time. And um, that's how I really schedule my days. And do you use a, an app for that? Like, how does that look? Cause there's some people think that you need to burn the, the candle at both ends. You wake up at 5am, right. Then the journaling starts and the meditation and the workout and business and the whole thing goes off. And it was interesting when I uh, went and lived with one of my buddies who is the most successful guy that I know and has multiple businesses, real estate companies, uh, software, all kinds of things. His day was oddly balanced. Like he did get up and he had a full day and he had three, four kids and, but it was oddly balanced. And we come home, you know, have family time. I was like, that's amazing. Like you're very productive. And, and he also had a podcast where he did five shows a week. I'm like, bro, I struggled to do three and I don't have half of these business. How are you sorting this out? Yeah, no, I think, um, busy people are really good at sometimes feeling freer. Right. And, and I always, I always view it as what does success mean to me? Um, and for me personally, if I am not an amazing father and an amazing husband uh, and healthy, no amount of money in the world is going to make me successful. So uh, I prioritize my life in that way um, by putting my family first, my health first, and the rest of the time work. And um, yeah, I'm so against burning the candle at both ends, right? I view, I view entrepreneurship as a career. Uh, not a company. And what I mean by that is I'll be an entrepreneur for the next 50 years, uh, at least I hope. And um, that means that I have to wake up every day and do something that's sustainable that I can do for the next 50 years. You know, And if you're not sleeping and you're waking up at 5 a.m. and then you're going out at night and not going to sleep till two in the morning, like you can't do that for years and years and years. You could do it for a week, uh, maybe a month. You know, So uh, I prioritize my sleep. Uh, it's a very, very important thing to me. I make sure to get at least seven and a half, eight hours a night. Um, and yeah, I I organize my days and my weeks the way I want to live the rest of my life. Right. And so when you're, you, you help startups, right. And you call them mindful startups. So the first thing I want to say is like, you know, you conscious business, right. That word is kind of being thrown around a lot these days. So how do you define like conscious businesses? And then when you're working with a startup or you want to help somebody move into entrepreneurship, what kind of tips or recommendations do you give them? Yeah. You know, I, I always believe that you can, give back and make money at the same time. I don't think you have to make money and then give back later. And so that's why I've always believed in companies that have a bigger purpose and make the world a better place. Um, and I think the biggest tip is stay focused. I, I think a double-edged sword of being an entrepreneur is you're so creative. You have so many ideas. You want to build so many things. Um, and you start a company and then it is very easy to get tired or get bored of the one thing that you're doing. And then, oh, I want to make these other five products or I want to do this other thing also on the side. And um, what I've learned over time is the more successful people stay hyper-focused on exactly what they know um, is driving the success and growth of their company. Um, and, and I think that's to to your story about your friend who's very successful but lives a balanced life, the time he spends working 
he probably does things that make a huge impact on his success versus 50 other tasks that um, he does to stay busy and fill his, his days. Yeah. It reminds me of the 80, 20 rule, right? you just want to be spending your time on what's going to move the needle the most to get the result you want rather than um, doing busy work. And I know one strategy for this is just writing down all the things that you need to do for the day and then making sure you're doing your top highest priority. That's going to move the needle forward. Is that something that you do from your, uh, strategies now? Like how are you managing your business now? And then also consulting with a bunch of other people and balancing it. Yeah. I I try to just look at my week and use my calendar in that way. Right. Like what are the most important things I need on my calendar this week? Uh, and the things that don't just end up falling off, getting pushed to the next week, it's a never ending list, right? You're never done with the tasks and so, or emails. And so, um, to your point, it's about just prioritizing uh, top down. Right. And if you are speaking to somebody who's younger, right, you started the business when you're younger in your college days, how do you define purpose? You know what I mean? Moving through life with meaning, like do you, you, if they have no idea what they want to do, they're like, you know, I want to get this corporate job or I hate this job. You know what I mean? I hate what I'm doing and I want to transition and um, do something that's more meaningful, that's more impactful. Do you have any kind of advice from somebody who's starting for from ground zero? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's just that they want to do something more impactful or more meaningful, I mean, you could always join another company, right? Or startup or nonprofit organization to do meaningful work. Uh, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to do meaningful work. Um, but I think if you have an idea that you're very passionate about that has purpose, amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. I was talking to a friend of mine at Burning Man once, and this was the idea coming up. You know, he had a very successful job, made a lot of money, and, you know, he was thinking about transitioning and starting a retreat, getting a, you know, doing this whole massive thing. And I was like, you can do that, or you could integrate into something that already exists. You could support something that already exists. Maybe that's not the path for you to pull shoot out of everything that you've done. And he ended up pulling shoot and went around for a couple of years and that was fine. Um, and one of the things I told him, and it seems to be true most of the time is that the matrix will always take you back. If you have a skill set and a job, you know what I mean? If you leave on good terms, the chances of you being able to get a, a job as good or better is is higher. And so he ended up getting a better job and getting paid more. Uh, and it was a little bit more aligned with his values after taking the two years off. But in those two years, that's where we really saw like the importance of being very congruent with if you want to go into the entrepreneurship world, you know, having a mission, having a purpose, having a direction, because if you are scattered, it's going to be a lot harder. You know, you're, you're not really centered. Absolutely. Yeah, I I just think that um, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone, you know, and and I think a lot of people see others being entrepreneurs and only see the the positives and the vacations and the and the fun stuff, but don't see all the all the hard work and the lows that go along with it. And so, um, I just I caution everyone to pause and really decide if it's something that they want to do for the next 10, 15 years of their life. Um, Because it is very, very unlikely that you will start a company, be successful in three years, and then be done and make a ton of money. That's like (laughs) a movie story. That's not reality. It sounds nice though. Yeah. And and it's so true. Um, You know, when you go into the entrepreneurship space, I like what you said about 10, 15 years. And when I've done coaching or consulting, that's what I've advised people to do. I said, if you don't have an idea that you're willing to at least put 10 years into, 10 years of your life, a full commitment, then you are not aligned enough to make that jump yet. You need to take more time to figure out what is the thing, what is the direction. It takes a lot of thinking um, before you really have something that's centered, that's congruent, um, and you can move forward towards. And it doesn't always have to be like a finished product. It can be uh, general. 
you know, maybe like you want to help people with their health or, or fitness or whatever. And then you got your one idea. And as you move towards that, it'll refine into the next idea, into the next idea, and it will evolve over time. And I'm curious if that is something that's happened to you, because with your company, it's like, holy, I have achieved success and I've given back. And I've, you've, I think you did something with like the, I don't know what you did with the sports leagues, the MLB and NBA or, or something like that. You're kind of rubbing shoulders with some big uh, companies doing very well, but I, I wonder how your company has evolved and how your work has evolved over time as you reach new plateaus of success. Mm, it's a great question. Yeah. You know, over the years we've evolved, we've made new products. We've done licensing, like you just mentioned with all the major sports leagues, uh, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars to reach new audiences. But I think we've had different celebrities and athletes were our product. Um, we've made too many SKUs. Then we had to reduce the number of SKUs we made, right? Internally, there's you, you learn about team. There's tons of things that are constantly changing, strengths, weaknesses, um, ups and downs throughout the organization. But I, I think one thing that we've done incredibly well is we've always stayed true to our mission. And we've never wavered from why we exist and what we sell and and what our story is and our purpose. And that's, I think, one of the main reasons why we still exist today and why people continue to buy our products 10 years later. Yeah, man, I love that. And I feel like it's so important to have that alignment, right? Because it's something that you want to continue to move forward as long and as far as you can. And the more aligned that can be, the more you're going to be just experiencing success and not succumbing to failure. Because even when you're at a quote unquote successful level, you're going to experience challenges and setbacks and losses, and you have to adapt to those. And you have to have the, the willpower, the mental energy, you know, all those things to overcome that and then go to that next level. And I'm curious with you, I, I know when we started chatting, you're a father. I don't know how recent that is. Did that change your perspective around entrepreneurship or life or the way you do business or anything else? Yeah, I have two kids, a four-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, um, both both little, little boys. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest change for me having kids was being present. I was always and and still I am someone who lives in the future. I would say thinking about what what's the business going to do, where are we going to go, what's going to happen in the next year, planning everything out. Um, but when you have kids, all they want to do is be present with you, and being present has always been a struggle for me. And so, I've really focused on being more present with my kids, more present in the meeting that I'm in. Um, and so I would say that would be the biggest shift in mentality that I've had uh, since having kids. That's beautiful. Well, I know exactly what you mean. My mom is the best at it, actually. She can sit with my daughter for you know all day, the whole day, and, and not break attention. And for me, it's about two hours of a game that evolves into like 40 different ways. I'm like, my brain can't handle this much direct attention. Now I need, I need a yeah. break. Is it you have to be 100 percent completely evolved, or she'll be, you know, she'll be on my case for, for not um, not doing it. And it's more beautiful to be involved and you realize that there is a quality quality to presence. And if you can yes. bring that quality of presence into other areas, it benefits your life. There's, if you're there, you may as well be present, right? And most people, I think, absolutely. Around, and most people go around the day. I think they go to a meeting, they go to work and they're always thinking about where else they could be rather than exactly yeah. where they are, which can be <laughs> just an odd thing to do. Yeah. It's, it's very true. And so for you right now, um, what are the, some of the things that you're working on? What are the, some of the things that you're building or excited about? Hmm. Good question. Well, about three years ago, we said, okay, we're loci. And now I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because earlier I told you to stay focused. Um, <laughs> but about three years ago, uh, we said we're loci. We're a brand about inspiring people to find balance in their life. What other products can we make that deliver on that promise? And we learned about adaptogens and how in high enough doses, they have functional benefits uh, that literally balance your cortisol levels. Um, adaptogens are a class of plant uh, that have, have those benefits. And so 
uh, we said, okay, let's make some formulas uh, that are clinically driven uh, and test them. And so we made an energy formula, a focus formula, a calm formula, and a sleep formula. Um, and we realized people really loved them. Uh, we had a lot of work to do on the taste and the packaging and ha- and the the company itself. But um, yeah, we launched uh, a sister company to Lokai called Elements of Balance. Uh, and we make those four products in a ready-to-drink format and also a supplement format um, and have gotten amazing feedback so far. Amazing. Good for you. So now you're in the beverage game, which I know can be a whole interesting world to have a good friend, Lloyd Arbor, who does some incredible uh, juices and he does one called Sick Day, which is phenomenal. Um, but to learn the ins and outs of his business and getting them in the stores and all the things that goes with it, it's, it's incredibly challenging. And I would imagine that in your experience, you would, you would experience failure quite a bit. And I'm curious as an entrepreneur, how do you define failure or see failure or hit roadblocks that can maybe be crippling, but overcome them and have the mindset to, you say, you know what, I'm going to be able to get over this, even though you know, you might be dummy because I know that many people out there have a very small uh, obstacle and it can just you know, overwhelm them. And I know people who are successful will be having this obstacle. I don't even think they can overcome and somehow they're able to do it. And I feel like it really comes down to mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. Mindset. And my definition of failure, I think is not learning and growing, Right. I want to constantly be learning, challenging myself, doing new things that put me in uncomfortable situations. For me, not doing that is failure. And I would say the beverage industry is not for the faint of heart. Uh, It is incredibly challenging, but it has taught me so much about so many different aspects of business that I didn't have to deal with, uh, with Lokai, right? Fundraising, sales. Um, the volume game and distribution of uh, products that retail for just a couple dollars. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a totally new world and uh, it has been quite a challenge, but um, I'm enjoying learning and, and testing myself every day. I just had a question coming to mind that kind of goes backtrack, but when you get the water from Everest, how exactly do you get that water? Because I trekked it, this mountain almost killed me, and I went to Gokuri, and there was a big lake there, and I'm curious if that is the water you get it from or how you source it. Yeah, so um, uh, I'll tell you the story. So when I came up with the idea, I was like, how am I going to get these two elements? Um <laughs> The mud was a lot easier to get, the mud from the Dead Sea, because they make a lot of beauty products out of mud from the Dead Sea, face masks and, and other items. And so uh, we were able to find a wholesaler and, and get that no problem. I was calling any number in Nepal that I could get a hold of. Uh, and I eventually got connected to a climbing group, right? So I don't know about you, but if someone wanted to go climb Mount Everest, right, they have to go with a guide and, and a, a team of Sherpas. Um, and so we employ a team of Sherpas to uh, go up base camp, collect the water. Uh, they bring it in like those five gallon jugs, the blue jugs, uh, bring it down and it gets trucked right right to our factory. Straight that's from amazing. the mountain. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's amazing because that trek is nuts and, and it's incredible because they are so small. They're only about five feet, most of them. And yeah. they're carrying my heavy bag and I've seen them carry the tourist bag. So I'm trekking up normally and I've got a small backpack on and I see all these Sherpas with massive bags on because they're short and the tourists always have these huge bags and they're going up no problem. Um, so carrying water down is one of the most challenging weighted uh, and it sways you too. So yeah, yeah it's, you, it's crazy. We have some videos of it. Uh, we've posted on YouTube. Did you go to the summit? No. So I went, I, when I went there, I was teaching English in Nepal and uh, I was like, oh, they asked me if I was trekking Mount Everest. I was like, oh yeah. So I realized I could um, get to base camp, but if I wanted to summit, then it was a lot more time and a lot more money. And I was squeezing it in before a lot of other travel. So I got, I was able to get to base camp, but the summit Boom. is is a whole, that's serious business, you know? So I, I did the lightweight version, I think. 
Nice. Yeah, I would go to the base camp. I don't. I don't. I don't like the cold too much, and so for me, I don't. I don't know. I don't need to go to the summit. Then go in the summer. You'll be all right. It's still pretty cold up there. Yeah, if you go to the summit, you're going to be cold. I think so. Yeah. 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 And so with with Loki, do you have any other um, aspirations for the company? Is it is it to continue to promote balance around the world? And and how are the other ways you do that? So you have the bracelets, but I'm curious if you do it in any other um, avenues. Yeah, we're we're all about inspiring people to live a balanced life um, and give back. You know, I think that uh, one of the best ways to find balance is to give back, right? Um, when you're going through something tough in life, um, sometimes getting perspective of what other people are going through um, and and giving your time and energy to to seeing that and helping them puts your problems uh, in a different light. And so, yeah, we're, 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 we really care about helping people find balance and give back and spread our message that way. Um, right now it's the bracelets. Uh, we may have some other products coming out later this year. Um, but for now we've stayed true and focused to our product that we know people love. Amazing. And with your work with make a wish foundation what inspired you to do that and how do you uh work with them to you know create these experiences with the kids do you have any input in that or do you just kind of like get it i don't know how that works over there i just know that they get to make a wish and then bam yeah so make a wish uh gives wishes life-changing wishes to children with critical illnesses um and we started with a partnership between Loki and Make-A-Wish. And I just saw the impact that those wishes had on the children and their families. And it was an organization I just had to get deeper involved in. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's pretty amazing to see the types of wishes that uh, these kids come up with, you know, they're, the, the, they're amazing. And, and to see the impact I, I, and I would say the impact of the wish is not necessarily the moment that the wish is happening. The impact of the wish happens before when it gives hope and something to look forward to uh, while they're going through all of their treatment. And then after uh, the stories they talk about and just how families talk about, yeah, for that week when I went to Hawaii or when we did this we didn't have to think about the illness or the sickness or what we were going through. And we just got to be a family and be present together. And um, there's families that I've interacted with on wishes who I still talk to today. Um, and they live back their wish like it was yesterday and it was eight years ago, you know? So um, it really does change people's lives. There are even uh, amazing stories of wish kids who grow up to, uh, go into the career that their wish was in, um, which is amazing. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. Can you tell us like one of the examples? Because I feel like kids have such an amazing imagination. And I remember it dawning on me that Disney world for a kid would be like, Oh man, it'd be like seeing these people in real life. It would blow your mind. You know, if all these characters, you know, from the television are actually real. It would just be the most profound experience for a little one. So I'm curious if you can recall some uh, interesting wishes. Yeah, for sure. Um, There's a lot that go to Disney, uh, but some of the like really interesting ones, uh, there's a story of a kid who uh, just wanted to go to New York city and ride the elevators. And so, (laughs) so yeah, that was his wish. And so what Make-A-Wish did, which was unbelievably creative, is they went to a building and on every floor, they asked the company to have a different theme and throw a different party. And so the kids spent the day going up one floor at a time. And each floor he got off, there was a different company with a whole nother theme uh, that that they were doing for him. Uh, other ones are, uh, they built um, Fenway Park in a kid's backyard, a mini Fenway park in a kid's backyard who loved to play baseball, but he couldn't travel. Um, and then there's a lot of celebrity and athlete wishes as well. Um, Cam Newton's done some amazing wishes. Um, yeah, it's, I think one, one kid wanted to, 
uh, like have an ice cream, a pool filled with ice cream. Uh, they didn't, they, I don't think they did that one, uh, cause it's a bit crazy, but, uh, yeah, the, the wishes are creative <laughs> and amazing. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And you use the word hope and I feel like in a make a wish it's, it's very important, but I also think in real life, it comes up for adults, you know, younger adults, when you're going into entrepreneurship, you hope that it works out when you're facing a challenge, you have a hope that you'll feel better. Um, and I'm curious in your life, have you had any mentors or anybody kind of support you or share like how to get through those tough times? Mm. It's a good question. Uh, I would say personally, it's always been within within me to have grit and drive and perseverance um, through the good and the hard times. And so I don't have like a mentor who's taught me that. It's just something I never quit. I'm, I'm very competitive. I always want to win. Um, and so I'll, I'll fight through those hard times. But I think hope is an incredibly important thing to have as a, as a child, as an adult, um, what you hope the world becomes, what you hope you are able to accomplish, what you hope for others. Um, yeah. Hope is part of our mission, right? Stay humble, stay hopeful. Um, so we're in, we're into the word for sure. Amazing. Well, we may as well go into the other word, like humble. Like how do you, so you've, you've experienced the success now. So you, it's easy to say, you know, I'm nice and humble when you haven't achieved anything. And now you're at the point where you have been ultra successful. So has that been easy for you? And how do you invite people to stay humble as they move through their experience? Yeah, go back to giving back. You know, it's it's very humbling to to see what other people are going through and want to help others um, and donate and support others. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't easy. And, and I, there's still challenges that knock me on my ass all the time. And so I'm constantly humbled and um, I'm also striving to, to do more in my life, in my career. So um, I think it's a balance that you constantly have to have. You never reach a high and stay there and you never reach a low and, and stay there either. It's kind of a, um, an ever moving journey of balance. Beautiful. Well, you answer all my questions very concisely. Most of my guests are very long winded. So I have to keep thinking of uh, more <laughs> questions. You more, they give me like a five minute story. So you're nice and concise. So I'll just give you a simple one. Give me your top. You've, 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 touched on this a little bit, but your top three pieces of advice, if somebody is crazy enough to go into the world of entrepreneurship and you're consulting them, you're like, you're going to be successful, but you need to have these things. How do you, what are your top three pieces of advice? Um, well, I mentioned the one earlier, so we'll start with that focus, right? Understand the value proposition of your product or your service, focus on that and figure out how to continue to grow that and do that better. Don't try to do 15 different things. Second would be your team is everything. Uh, and I've learned that the hard way over the years. Uh, at the beginning, I always micromanaged people and um, thought that I could do everyone's job better than them. And um, I've learned you got to hire great people that you think can do <clears throat> their job better than you could do it and then let them run with it. Um, and give them that space to grow and be successful on their own and almost be a, a, a mini entrepreneur in their own uh, career path within your company. Uh, so the right people and, and the importance of your team. And, and I would say third is um, you gotta you you gotta find a way to take the emotion out of the operations of the business. And this is actually a lesson that I learned from the Make-A-Wish board. Um, you know, it, it, you give and you get. <laughs> and being on that board has taught me so much more than more than I could ever have asked for. Um, and the, a lot of the people on the Make-A-Wish board are executive operators, right? CFO of Netflix, as the CEO of Disney, they're kind of big players. And something that I learned from them was they're all incredibly emotional about the mission, right? Why are we doing what we're doing? Putting the kids first at Make-A-Wish, 
um, making sure that wish granting is the number one priority always and, and being very emotional about that, but then being incredibly unemotional about all the business decisions that have to go on within the company to drive that mission forward. Um, and I've, I, I used to get emotional, right? Good news, get super excited, bad news, uh, be down and out for the day. Um, and over time I've learned that being emotional about how well or bad you're doing or what happens within the day isn't going to make the company more or less successful, right? It's the decisions that you make on, on how you react to what is going on that will um, fix your problem or change something. And so I've really learned to be unemotional about uh, internal business decisions um, because the emotions just kind of cloud the judgment. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It reminds me a little bit of a stoic mindset, and it also reminds me a little bit of a Zen mindset. One of the ways I've heard enlightenment put was that um, if you're enlightened, whether you receive bad news or good news, you react the same. It's it's the same thing. And it sounds like you've applied that a little bit to your business. And I think it's good because it prevents this roller coaster ride. And you recognize that both are necessary, that you're going to have those days where you're growing and you're going to have those days you have the setbacks. And when you're committed to the mission, it's just a part of the process. And I could use another example being martial arts, uh, where you're in a fight with somebody. Well, most of the time, unless you're the absolute best in the world, you're going to get hit. And so if you get emotional every time that you're in a fight where you're trying to hit a person, they're trying to hit you back. And so when you get emotional, when you get hit and George St. Pierre actually lost a fight, you know, one of his few fights because of that. And he said that, you know, Matt Sarah hit him and it pissed him off. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember watching that fight because he, he, you know, I was like, oh, he's going to kill him. And he ended up, <laughs> right. And it's so you have to um, keep that stoic centered mindset. Um, now, what about um, you have an education and you've done really well. You're really intelligent uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship and business. Do you have any of your favorite books, any favorite mentors? If somebody wants to start the path of entrepreneurship, uh, what suggestions do you have for those types of people? Ooh, you know, when when people ask me what my favorite book is or, or what they should be reading, um, I actually tell them to read fiction. Um and this is actually my wife that got me into it. So shout out to Dylan. Um, you know, she she's open. I used to read all the nonfiction business books, um, right? There's a million of them. But I think sometimes you need an escape and you need creativity and you need these imaginary worlds or whatever genre you like to read um, of fiction. But for, for me, that's allowed me to just kind of unlock another dimension of creativity and um, escape sometimes from the business, 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 right? I think you can get stuck on that kind of hamster wheel of, I need to grind, I need to learn more about business, I need to learn these new words about business and entrepreneurship. Like, at the end of the day, it I think being an entrepreneur is being creative in a lot of different departments. Um, and so, yeah, don't, don't take that so seriously. Well, I love that. It, it's interesting because it reminds me of something my friend Robert Grant uh, told me a long time ago. And if you look up Robert Grant, he's very fascinating. He's like a polymath. So he's a mathematician, but he's also uh, an artist. He can do music and sculptures and different things. And we did a trip to Egypt together and we were chatting in the car and I, you know, he's like math was never my strong suit, but he goes, anything you do in the opposite, you is going to help the other side. So if you go hard into math or logic, it's going to help the creative side. When you go into the creative side and you're learning music, you're learning art, you're doing sculpture, you're doing poetry, whatever, it goes back the other way. And what will happen is most people go into the imbalances. They just stay in one side and they don't really uh, cultivate the skill of the other side or the experience or whatever the case is. And as you do that, it really builds um, both of them up. You get better at both, not just one. So is that something that you feel like is true in your experience? Yeah, for sure. Concise. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I am a very concise and direct person. Um, that is kind of who I am. But um, I would say, yeah, I mean, 
you don't always know what's on the opposite end of that scale. Um, but I try to balance out my time working with doing other things that I'm passionate about, hobbies that I enjoy and love. Um, and I think that makes me more excited to go to work. I come up with creative ideas when I'm outside of work that help me with work instead of reading more business books all the time. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, my friend, you were clear, you were concise, you know, the the most succinct answers I've experienced in a long time, but I, I appreciate you coming on the show. I really appreciate the work you're doing. You're doing fantastic work in the world. I love the mission of your company. And if it can inspire, inspire other people, uh, whether it's just the balance part to have more balance in their life, I think that's beautiful. And if they take it a step further of thinking about what's the mission that I could get behind, what's the purpose that I could get behind, what's the um, entrepreneurship path that I could start to engage in that would make a difference. I think you're providing an excellent example for people to follow and especially the younger generation to see that it can work and you can combine meaning, purpose, and business all together. So you're doing amazing work in the world. Is there anything that you wish that I had asked you or that you want to talk about before we close the show? Ooh, um, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you have an amazing background, uh, right? And 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 your experiences. What what is the most impactful thing that you've learned um, in your career so far? Uh, you know, I, I have one, and I say it at the beginning of the podcast. I I've studied with a lot of different spiritual teachers, and went to Nepal to study Buddhism, and had a lot of great guests on. And the best spiritual teaching I have ever heard by far was from my friend David Lombard Senapas, who's a Native American elder, and he'd say, "Do three kind acts a day. Go out of your way to do it, and don't tell anyone." And what it does is really put spirituality, um, good intentions, all of those things, and it puts it into action that's each and every day without the expectation and now you're taking all of these you know i think good intentions and spiritual ideas but you're bringing them into the world and um, for me that's been the most simple and most profound teaching that i've experienced i love that thank you for sharing i'm gonna start that tomorrow yeah and one of, and i used to, when he first said it to me i was like well okay i know pay it forward right? I was like, pay it forward makes sense. So get a coffee, grab the guy behind you, whatever, something like that. And I was like, well, what else can I do? You know I mean? If I'm going to do three kind acts a day, I'm going to have to be going around and, um, you know, doing all these different, find homeless people or whatever the case is. Um, but over time, what I learned is listening is an act of kindness, true listening. You know, even if it's to your partner, to your, to your daughter, to your, uh, or sons or to your cousins or to your family, whatever active listening is a gift. Uh, most people do not know how to actively listen. And the other one was getting people's names. And it was interesting because of COVID, because COVID everyone was wearing the masks. Right. And so getting someone's name, whether it's at the restaurant or going through the grocery store line or whatever, it's a meaningful interaction. It takes away from this like robotic world that we're going to. And then when we had the mask in there, it was even worse. We were even more disconnected, right? It's like, here, I'm ringing in your groceries, but it's not two people that are interacting for that moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when I started to do that with all my interactions to acknowledge the person in front of me, um, you'd see sometimes, you know, not always, but most of the time, a little smile. And sometimes because I guess the society is so jaded, I've had people where they are nervous of me asking them. It's like, they're, I'm going to get them in trouble. And I was like, no, I might, I might be coming here for groceries next week. Now I know who you are. You're a human being. And so it's a very simple um, act of kindness. And I think it, it just shows that simple things can be beautiful and more profound and more helpful than we think. I love that. Thank you, Matt. My pleasure, man. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. So if people want to follow you, where do they go? If they want to get a bracelet, if they want to follow some of your work, where should they, where should they go? Yeah, the website's lokai.com, L-O-K-A-I.com. And you can find me on Instagram, at Steven Eisen. Uh, feel free to send me a DM. I'll respond to you. Um, that's it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. All right, Matt. Have a good one. Okay, take care. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you in the next one. Peace. 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Steven Eisen. I hope that you enjoyed that show, that you learned something that you can take with you today and in the future. If you want to support the show, please go over to mattbelair.com and consider becoming a member. You can do so for free or by donation to get access to a ton of exclusive content. I just want to say I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for all your shares, for your reviews, and everything you do to support the show. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, enthusiasm, inspiration, courage, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.